The following podcast may contain spoilers, profanity, and views or opinions that may not be representative of the author's intent of the articles discussed. We don't always take ourselves or the subject matter seriously either. Listener discretion is advised. The following is a Galactic Netcast production. For more, go to GNCasts.com. The Force is strong with us, and we hope it is strong with you. Welcome to another edition of the New Jedi Archives with Zach Hagenbusher and Ben Schultz. Well, hello, Zach. And hello, Ben. How are you doing this fine day? I am doing spectacularly because I got to see a new Star Wars movie recently, and I thought that it was okay. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I uh, I have some mixed feelings about the new Star Wars movie. Of course you do. I would expect nothing less. <laughs> and uh, we will get into all of that in just a few moments. But before we do, I want to thank everybody who's listening on whatever platform you're listening on. Spreaker.com, the original home of the podcast. GNCasts.com, iTunes, Google Play, however you choose to listen to the show. Spotify, we are now on Spotify. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, so welcome to anybody who might be listening for the first time, whether it's the first time or the 54th time, 53rd, I can't remember what one we're on. <laughs> Maybe they listened to something twice or skipped one, whatever. That's right. 50 something. We appreciate your patronage. We appreciate you listening to the show. And we uh, we would love if you become a part of the conversation by emailing us at newjediarchives at gmail.com. Uh, or you can post on our Facebook page. You know, you can send a message, post a review on any of your podcast uh, outlets. However, you want to do that to send feedback to the show. We would very much appreciate that. And with all that being said, Ben. The Rise of Skywalker has released. It is upon the world. And of course, just like every Star Wars movie in the year after 2015, uh, it, it has some mixed reviews from different outlets. Uh, I, I just want to go out on the record and say I really did enjoy this movie, not as a film, right? Because I think as as a traditional, you know, from a traditional film critic standpoint, I don't think it holds up extremely well. But as a contributor to the larger Star Wars canon, I feel like this movie did everything that it needed to do to drive the point of the Skywalker saga home. Hmm. I, I, uh... I'm not sure I agree. Um, as I said, my feelings on this movie are mixed. But unlike the last movie, I can make sense of the things that are troublesome to me, which puts it above The Last Jedi for sure. Okay. Um, and the and this one, I think, was very beautiful. Uh, was stunning to watch, and I think it was fast-paced. Um, but I have some questions or concerns and I have some headcanon that makes some of those questions and concerns work. 
And so really what I want to do is bounce that off of you and bounce off some of the things that I noticed. Um, and then I also want to take a moment whenever we get around to it, however we decide to go through the movie, uh, to address some of the unwarranted criticisms that I've heard uh, because I did not watch any spoilers or reviews until I had seen the movie. But then I spent all day today while I was riding around for work uh, listening to reviews and discussions. Um, and there was one in particular that just drove me crazy enough that I think I sent you a text that said, we need to talk about this yeah. sooner rather than later. That is that is for sure. I was wondering what had spurred you on about that. And we'll get into that. Uh, but before we do, I just want to float a concept past everybody. Um and this is something that I have done for every newer Star Wars film. Uh, I went into the movie completely spoiled, as they say. Uh, I knew exactly what was going to happen on the screen before I saw it. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why would you do that to yourself? Why would you do blah, blah? Well, if you're listening to this show, chances are you care about Star Wars a lot. You care about it to the point that you're not just watching the movie as a fun thing to do. You're not just watching the movie for, you know, the surface level value. You are watching the movie to see how it enhances the world that has been created by George Lucas and these other contributors, right? I mean, you would agree with that, Ben, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think, and a lot of the podcasts, a lot of the reviews that I do wind up seeing are from people who they go into the movie not knowing what to expect, right? I think well, that that actually can take away from your in analysis of the events that is that are actually happening. Because when you see the movie unspoiled, you are being essentially shocked in a way, by the reveals that are happening. I mean, that I realize that's how they intend the story to be, to be uh, consumed at first, at least. But it's only upon repeat viewings that you can really delve into what the movie is, what it's trying to say, how it fits into the larger saga. At least that's, that's always been my opinion. I saw this film twice on the opening night. Um, once in 2D, once in 3D, uh, about an hour or so later. And I felt like that was extremely helpful, but I thought it was even more helpful that I knew already on paper what was going to happen. So that when I saw it for my own eyes, when I saw how it was executed, I was able to make sense of a lot of things maybe a lot more quickly than I would have if I had only experienced the events twice Instead, I kind of experienced them three times in that way. So I, I just want to write, put that past people. That could be a valid strategy. If you are trying to get the most for your buck, so to speak, if you are only planning on going to see this movie one time in the theater, I would, I would almost recommend spoiling yourself beforehand because that will put you in the mindset of being able to interpret the events rather than just simply having them thrown at you uh, for the first time. Okay, well, I, I disagree. I went into the movie completely unspoiled, um, but with an open mind. Um, the closest thing I came to spoilers was watching the trailers. Um, but I did go into it with an open mind and with the mindset that when I was done, 
I was going to do everything in my power to make this movie make sense. Okay. Okay. Um, so I tried to fully Zach this movie. That's right. And uh, I think I've got it pretty well, but like I said, I want to run that past you. I want to run past the things that came up um, that that I had to devise a headcanon that wasn't on screen to make it make sense in what I perceive to be the greater Star Wars world. Okay, let's dive into that after we put out the... Uh the obligatory spoiler alert spoiler alert seriously if you have if you've gotten this far into the show and you haven't seen the movie like we're going to talk about the movie in its full details so yeah there are spoilers going to be strewn all over this of course and and potentially spoilers for media that will come in the future because i think some of the things that I may mention might actually be what's planned that will be revealed in other media as we go. That could be. All right, Ben, get into it. What's your first point that you felt like you had to justify in your own head rather than use what was on the screen? Okay, so I know this is going to come as a shock to you, and I know you're going to groan right out of the gate. All right? Okay. But the first thing that hit me that I went, what in the hell was right off the bat the opening crawl? Because everybody knows Palpatine's alive at this point. Yeah. The crawl tells us. And so the first thing that I thought about was, why would a master manipulator like Sheev Palpatine give up the element of surprise like that? And uh, I think I found a way to make it work, and we'll deal with it as it comes up as we talk about the movie. Um, I'll start piecing together my theory on why that happened. But that is a strategic blunder. Okay, and it's and it's it's not the only strategic blunder in the movie, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that those strategic blunders are out of character. Given the events that we, given the events that we can assume occur, okay, or that at least I am assuming occur. So, what do you think occurs? Okay, well, first of all, Sheev isn't dead. So we have to go back to the, I'm going to be jumping around a little bit here, so please bear with me. She falls down the shaft in the Death Star. Right. And seemingly explodes. Sure. Now, if you watch that explosion, and I did watch it again, and uh, I also want to give you one more caveat here. I went to see the movie at 8 o'clock last night. We got home from the theater about 11.30 because the movie didn't start on time. Oh. Uh, and then I sat up talking with Caden uh, and Kennedy, my kids, and my uh, son Caden's friend Hunter till about 1 in the morning. Uh, as one does. And then I watched uh, select snippets of the previous movies to try and piece things together. And watched some trailer footage again. And then I went to bed about 2 o'clock. And then I woke up at 3 o'clock to go to work. And I've been up since. So if I start to be incoherent, rein me in. All right, Zach? Okay. So we see the explosion when Palpatine drops down the chute. All right? And it pulses out and then disappears again in the Death Star at the end of Return of the Jedi. Oh, right. Yes, of course. 
Palpatine doesn't die there. Okay. But the Death Star explodes. So how does Palpatine escape? And I think Rebels gives us the answer. And I think The Last Jedi explains why Palpatine is in the state that he is in when we meet him. Okay. Which is right away. And I think it is that Palpatine uses the Force to open the world between worlds. Okay. And I think that's how he ends up on, I don't remember the name of the planet he's on. Exegol. Exegol, thank you. That's how he gets to Exegol. And I think that doing that took its toll on his body. And that's why he is dying. He is sustained by hate. Uh, We see his fingers are falling apart. He is zombie Palpatine. Right. He is zombie Palpatine. And I think that we can infer from Maul, obviously sustaining himself purely on the dark side. And the fact that the world between worlds is a thing that Palpatine was actively studying. I think that's the most plausible method for his escape. Okay. Um, so that, so when, when, but I think that that took its toll on him mentally as well. I don't think he's in complete control of his faculties like he was in previous movies. And my evidence for that is twofold. Uh, first of all, he makes a strategic blunder of telling everybody that he's alive. And if he's going to tell everybody that he's alive, why the hell did he wait so long? It's what, 32 years after the end of return? Right. Because if, if the Emperor doesn't die, then in Return of the Jedi, what actually happened? They lost a Death Star. Well, and they lost their control because whether the Emperor actually died or not, the Empire lost their grip on the galaxy. Why? Because all we see is a Death Star being destroyed. The Empire lost their grip on the galaxy because Palpatine was gone. Right, that's what I mean. Like, whether right, he died if, or not, he, he disappeared. He was gone. Right, but if he wasn't dead, and if he had come back right away, the Empire wouldn't have fallen. Because they've lost a Death Star before, and then they struck back. Sure. So just losing a Death Star is not the death knell of the Empire. They've done it once before. They still survived. So I think it took its toll on him because I think those are two things that Palpatine wouldn't necessarily do because they're strategic errors. Obviously, both they're they're mutually exclusive. You know, if he, he wouldn't have to announce his return if he had never left. Um, but leaving and then announcing his return before he was ready to return, strategic errors. So I don't think Palpatine, I think he is consumed at this point not by his quest for power like he had been before. He's not, uh, before he was ambitious and wanted to be the emperor. And I think that some motivation changed. I think something snapped inside him, and that's why he made these errors. Okay? Okay. So that's the first thing. Chronologically, the next error we come to is Kylo Ren's strategic error. Um, I don't think this is out of character for Kylo Ren. I just want to point out if Kylo Ren really wanted to kill the Emperor, he should have just taken command of the fleet right away above Exegol. 
Right. Because all he had to do was point one of those guns down and destroy the planet. Done. End of movie. The the problem with that being, not that I'm trying to poke holes here, because I, I, I honestly, I have a response to the Palpatine thing, too, but I'm going to hold it back. Um, the, the problem with that being, in theory, the people, right, because there have to be people who are controlling these ships. They're but still, they're first order people. They're not. They're not first order people necessarily. Yep, yep they are because uh, they when they talk about it in the meeting, uh, the general says that we're going to um, that the Palpatine is providing equipment and they're providing the manpower. But the ships are already rising out of the planet's surface when Palpatine controls them at the beginning of the movie. Okay, so there's got to be people. There's pe- there's people on the planet, right? There there have to be people, and there are people, by the way, right, that, that are currently they're full. helping Palpatine survive, essentially. So right, I, there's a whole bunch of dark disciples there. Right, those ships have to be controlled by someone, and that is before Kylo Ren officially accepts the invitation to join and become what Palpatine is calling the Final Order. Right. So my Which, my uh, my reasoning here is that those people are still they're just loyal to Palpatine if Kylo Ren had killed Palpatine in that moment the might of that fleet destroys him well and probably but I'm just saying that that I think that was there's a strategic error on Kylo Ren's part but I think that that's completely in his character I'm not faulting the movie for it I'm actually not faulting the movie for anything at this point Um, I'm just saying Kylo could have manipulated things better if he was more in control of himself, which he isn't and right. And could have come out on top, but he didn't because he's an idiot. Um, I wouldn't say so, he's an idiot. He's just, he's, he's torn apart. Okay. Um, so then we cut to what scene comes next. Refresh my memory. Is that Ray training next? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to necessarily. We, we don't have to okay, spell out good. the movie for everybody. I, I, I don't want to. Whatever, whatever comes to your mind. Okay, good. I didn't want to go through it piece by piece. <laughs> anyway, we see Ray training. We find out that Leia is a Jedi. Well, not that she's a Jedi, but that she has had Jedi training. Well, she's she's a Jedi. She made a lightsaber. She had Jedi training. Okay, Ray she, refers to her as master. She's, she's just as much of a Jedi as Ahsoka is. Then, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, Palpatine created Anakin, right? Use the Force to create Anakin. Uh, or is, Plagueis, whatever. It doesn't or, or, matter. Or whatever. I mean, I, I don't. I am not well read enough on that material to say I, for I certain said it was if Plagueis that happens. Earlier, or when I was talking to Mister Fizet, and he corrected me that it was Palpatine. And I'm going to bow to his knowledge of the Emperor's motives. Okay, so maybe, yes, maybe the Emperor did help to create Anakin Skywalker. Okay, so here's my my theory on Rey's lineage. And I know she's a Palpatine. I'm not saying she's not. But um, when we see, and I noticed this right away, um, and I'm sure you picked up on it too, uh, as soon as I saw the ship left in the desert, I'm like, oh, that's the ship that Rey's mom left on. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Palpatine creates Anakin or helps create Anakin. Anakin fails and becomes 
um, well, arms and legs less than he was supposed to be. Right. He, be- I guess. he becomes the Darth Vader that we knew. And, and that falls short of Palpatine's vision for him. Correct. Um, so I think Palpatine tried again. I think that Ray is Palpatine's granddaughter, not in a literal sense, because she Palpatine, he had ambitions. He didn't have time to father a child to have grandchildren per se. Right. right. And if he did, I feel like it would have had to have been one of those situations where almost Roman empire style, like bring me this woman. Right. And maybe the, the new season of clone wars will make me adjust this. But I also think that that would have been something prominent enough that it would have at least been mentioned in passing. Right. Uh, Mrs. The emperor. Because also, Ray's not that old. No, she isn't. She she would have to have been born in while the in emperor. the period while no, but while he was gone, she's right. only like twenty. Right. So I think that she's an attempt to make another Anakin, and I think her mother might have been a dark disciple. I I, I believe that it, according to the film, anyway. It's the the male in that situation who was directly related to Palpatine. Well, and and the reason that I think it's a dark disciple is when she encounters Darth Ray in the Sith vault, which to me um, mirrors Luke in the Dagobah cave. Right, absolutely. And Yoda in his quest to uh, find consciousness beyond the physical realm. Right. And and so I think for just a moment, uh, when they actually drop the lightsaber and flip, I actually think that face is Ray's mother. And it becomes Ray much the way Luke fi- fights Vader and then slices into the helmet and sees Luke beneath. Right. I think that starts out as Ray's mother and morphs into Ray. Those two actresses were very similar. Um, so I could be wrong. But I think that's what they were going for, and I actually like that better, so that's what I'm going with. Sure. Um, so I, And then I think when they hid Rey away, because they didn't want her to be consumed by the Emperor, that he tried to make a new body, uh, a new vessel for himself. And that is where Snoke came from. And that became Snoke. And obviously he failed because he doesn't have the power anymore because he, he used a lot of his power to make Rey. Um, he's sickly, he's dying even more, and uh, he's he's not starting from purity, and he's on Exegol, which is just this dark, twisted world. This is something that I, I just want to bring up because there's an opening for it here. Did you notice that when Sheev was zombie Palpatine, yep. that his face was very much normal? I noticed it wasn't as bad as it was at the end of Revenge. Right. His face was looking a lot more like when he was kindly Chancellor Palpatine. Right. He he was not full scrotum Palpatine. And anymore. right. When he when he absorbs the power from Rey and Kylo, he becomes Palpatine in his prime as we knew him once again. Uh, oh, absolutely. Like the eyes come back. And the facial, quote-unquote, deformity comes back. I think that lends 
even more credence to my theory all along that the face of Palpatine, the true face of the dark side, is the face that he calls a deformity. That could be. And it may be that, you know, like we said, when you abuse a substance, it it corrupts you. Right. No matter what that substance is. I think at that point, he just, what you know, when, when he gets shocked by his own lightning, I, I mean, maybe that's part of it, but I, I've always believed that that was him letting the mask down. He just, at that point, he's, get, you know, his end game has arrived. He no longer needs to worry about keeping up appearances. His power is consuming him to the point that he become that that becomes his face the dark side twists his visage so um but anyway anyway, go on go on i'm sorry i just needed to point that out because it was a really cool moment for me realizing that yeah and and that's that fits in great and you know jump in anytime but that's where i think ray came from i don't necessarily think she was i don't think she is um Palpatine's granddaughter in the same way that Ben is um, Vader's grandson. That That is certainly possible. Um, I also think that Palpatine is exerting a lot of his energy onto Kylo Ren. Uh, almost everything that he's not actively using in order to maintain him and sustain himself. Could I argue that the reason why he announces his presence to, I mean, the galaxy, but more specifically, right, to Kylo Ren, for basically forcing Kylo to try and hunt him down, is the fact that maybe because he's been using so much energy to manipulate Kylo, his time is running out even further? Well, and, and I think he needs, I think, he, I think at that stage, his actual plan is to take over Kylo because he can't find Rey. Correct. But then he uses Kylo to find Rey. Well, actually, he sends Kylo to kill Rey. But he knows he knows that that isn't going to happen. Well, much much I like think- he knows that Anakin is in love with Padme and will do anything to save her, he knows that Kylo Ren will not kill Rey. Mm. I think at that point he figures... Either Kylo attacking Ray will lead Ray to Palpatine, which it did, or Kylo will kill Ray and prove to be the superior specimen anyway. I think he he sees that as I'm going to end up with the superior body in the end of this. Sure. The problem is if he doesn't announce himself to the entire galaxy because he's already in communication with Kylo Ren. He doesn't need to announce himself to everybody in order to announce himself to Kylo. So if he doesn't announce himself to the whole galaxy, the galaxy doesn't join together to stop him, and he wins, which is why I think that's a strategic error. But could could it be said that if he announces himself to the whole galaxy, anyone left in the galaxy who had any shred of loyalty to him now knows that he is living? But I think, uh, personally, if I was the emperor in that situation... I would reach out to Kylo. I would bring the First Order over. I would man my ships. And I would send a bunch of them out. And I would have them parked above planets and like one uninhabitable moon in each system. And then I would blow up that moon and then warn the other planets that it'll happen to them too if they don't succumb to my rule. And then I rule the galaxy again. 
and then I can find a new body at my leisure, um, which is what I think she would have actually done had he not been consumed by his hatred of the Skywalkers for their perceived betrayal and his desire for revenge, which clouded his otherwise brilliant strategic mind. Right. I mean, as as we've seen time and time again, the force can be an awfully powerful drug. Um, so uh, then we, we need to talk about Ben a little bit, Kylo Ren. Absolutely. So Kylo is still on the dark side, still trying to, to twist Ray. And he has that fight where Leia... It looks like she dies in order to give him a fighting chance, but I don't think that's actually what happens. Okay. Because her body doesn't disappear. I think she surrenders her life force to Kylo. And because of that, they kind of, I don't know, join together. Because we learn that you can just transfer power. You can do that now. Yeah, but I would I would say that that doesn't make any sense because Leia shows up later as a force ghost. Well, hang on. So, I think that she uh shows or that she gives herself to to Kylo to give him the strength, to lend him the strength to fight uh Darth Sidious, Emperor Palpatine. And I think that's why it's Harrison Ford that shows up as a memory because Leia's spirit's already with him. He doesn't need to talk to his mom because he feels her. Right, correct. Because she doesn't disappear until he disappears. So their spirits are one at that point in the Force. Now I, that, all they right. can that they can separate later doesn't matter. Um the, the fact is, I think that's what happens because they disappear simultaneously. And Jedi disappear when they die. So, um, I think that's what happens there. Well, some and of them do. Not all of them. I mean, Qui-Gon no. didn't. No, no, he, he just... Well, we don't know what happened when he fell down the shaft. Qui-Gon didn't fall down the shaft. He was burned. Remember, they had a funeral for him. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, whatever. The, the thing is, he didn't die, or he she didn't disappear, but she did spontaneously disappear when Kylo died and disappeared. They disappeared sure. at the same time. Okay. Um, which is also how I knew Ray wasn't dead at the end. Well, she was dead. She didn't disappear. Um, but anyway, so um. I know the movie is going to say that it is that the Skywalker that rose is Ray because she calls herself Ray Skywalker at the end. And I don't think that's who the Skywalker that rose. No, the Skywalker that rose is Ben. No, it's Leia. Oh, really? Because okay. Leia had a vision with Luke. She was afraid of what would happen in the future, and she effectively abandoned the Jedi ways just like he did. Right. Well, not just like he did. <laughs> well, not just like she he did, because she's still General Leia Organa Solo. She still has a war to fight, so she didn't run and hide, but she did abandon the Jedi ways. 
And I think that her finally stepping up to embrace that Jedi-ness and save her son and thereby saving the galaxy, I think that was her rising. Sure. Um, I, no, don't get me wrong. Ben literally rose out of the shaft, and he stepped up too, kind of. Um, but he didn't. He did it because of Leia and Rey and his memory of Han. So I think the Skywalker that really rose to the occasion here was Leia. Um, so anyway, that's just my opinion. Okay. So um, then Kylo sacrifices himself to save Rey. And then the, he... The only thing he could have done. Right. Well, and I was wrong about how he died, but I speculated that he would sacrifice himself and thereby be, be redeemed. Right, in some way. And, and and to be completely clear, again, he's not really redeemed. It, it is very much a Vader thing because, you know, let's say Darth Vader survives, right? Let's say he throws the Emperor down the shaft and somehow Luke is able to restore him and, you know, oh, hey, Dad, you're alive. Okay, now we get to go back to all of our friends and uh, find out you know, you still have to answer for your crimes. <laughs> right, right. Um, that, that's very much the same same boat that Kylo was in. And frankly, that's the boat that kept him in when well, he... Well, I mean, I guess, like, for Vader, it's a good thing younglings don't know how to become Force Ghosts. Yeah, exactly, right. Um, and for Kylo, I actually would have liked it if he appeared with Luke and Leia as Force Ghost at the end. I would have kind of also liked to see Anakin there and, you know, maybe Obi-Wan and Yoda. Right. The, um, the fact that Kylo, uh, why am I, I, I should stop calling him Kylo because he's Ben Solo. The The fact that Ben had the wherewithal to realize, you know, like he, he certainly could have lived, right? He certainly could have just been like, oh, Ray is dead. Okay, that sucks. I guess I just have to move on. But the fact that he did realize, no, you know, partially from the perspective of they're never going to accept me back. I, I was just going to say, I think that I don't necessarily think his sacrifice was completely noble and motivation. Right, right. I think he I, I think he did. He helped as much as he thought that he could because he knew that they needed her back. They didn't right. they didn't need or want him back. And I don't think that the rest of the world would have jumped behind Ben Solo. Right. I agree. Um, so I think that was a better choice. And so all in all, those, uh, I mean, obviously, my idea is going to be informed by future releases. I'm sure The Mandalorian in later seasons is going to touch on some of the things that happen. Um, I don't know. Uh, supposedly, there th there might be some other things that come out that, that inform it, but... At least then the things in the story make sense. Uh, the things that I, those things that I had trouble with. Now, there are some things I have trouble with that I can't justify. Right. And I, I'll admit, I'm, there are definitely things in that boat for me as well. Uh, I think, and this is kind of a J.J. Abrams thing. Like, this is kind of his problem and kind of a Ryan Johnson problem, too. Um, if you go through all of the trouble to explain something to a certain degree, why not just go to explain it to the the degree that is satisfactory? <laughs> right, right. Like, 
I, I mean, I'm not blaming him for the emperor thing. Like when the emperor says I've died before the dark side is a path to powers that many would consider to be unnatural. That's enough of an explanation for me. I get it. Okay. Right. The emperor is evil. He's found a way to keep himself alive. That's all I really needed to know. Like, like I get that. The force is a deus ex machina. <laughs> the force. Right. Well, in, in this movie, more than others, right. honestly, the force is a tool that the writers can use to explain pretty much anything that they would want to do. I'm used to that by now. This is the well, ninth Skywalker saga movie. But, but prior to these new movies, there were some hard rules to the force that these movies kind of break. Sure. Now, in some regards. People are nitpicking about shit that's just dumb. Like, uh, I heard one guy complain about Ray levitating. <sighs> okay. Okay, but it doesn't fucking matter if you're a person or an X-Wing or a rock. Lifting something with the force, it doesn't matter what it is. Size doesn't matter. So, of course, you can lift yourself. Well, yeah. I mean, Jedi, yeah. Jedi technically do it all the time. In the prequels, I mean, they, they don't levitate themselves constantly, but I mean, how do you think the jumping well, they, and leaping is done? They do it through the force. I was going to say they force. augment jumps, but it's not really a levitation. I mean, it is carrying themselves farther than is humanly possible using right. the force to do it. But but they don't actually levitate. Right. And so I can understand where people are like, oh, that's something we've never seen before. Well, it's not really something we haven't seen before. It's just an extrapolation of something we have seen and nobody else has done it. And of course, Ray's doing it because she's learning from the Jedi texts. Right. So that's okay. I, um, I'm, I'm sorry here. Keep keep going. I, I do have some things that I I have some points that I'd like to make. But not not necessarily about this. That just reminded me of it. Keep okay. going. Um, I, the, the force being able to teleport matter is new, but I think that has to be a function of the force dyad. Yes, I agree. Um, Luke being able to catch a lightsaber really throws a wrench in um, things for me. Because there's a lot of Jedi who know how to become Force ghosts now. So why didn't they just show up to fight? Because you could give Ghost Luke a lightsaber. He can manipulate it. Right. Fair and enough. They can use their Force powers as a Force ghost. We've never seen that happen before. Yoda calling the lightning. And then Luke levitating the X-Wing. How I, I just got to point out how cool was that? I got a nice little buzz in the back of my head from that. The idea was, that Luke Luke finally lifted the X-Wing. <laughs> but it was really cool. And then as he was setting the X-Wing down, I remembered myself explaining to you that that X-Wing can't fly because he took the wing to make the door of his hut. Oh, sure. Right. But apparently he didn't. But apparently he didn't. So I don't know why the wing was missing <laughs> before. Or they forgot about that part. Probably right. They probably or, just forgot. Or I was mistaken. That's happened once or twice right. before. Um, but so, okay, so that was a problem for me. The other thing that I don't know how I want to interpret, um, and, and I'll let you... 
Like, in theory, do we know who Palpatine's parents were? No, we don't. I mean, they, were, they were in theory Naboo. Um, Nabooese. Yeah, the, the, they were Naboo. Um, what's, what's the, why, why can't I find the word? Not like royalty. Um, aristocracy? There we go. They, in theory, they would have had to have been Naboo aristocrats, right? But what if they weren't? <laughs> Okay. Now this is this is really far fetched. I'm going out on a limb here. Okay, but bear with me. And this is going to start on the shakiest premise I've ever started a, a theory with. Do we really want to go down this road right now? Um. Well, I don't know. I can hold it <laughs> if, if you want. I mean, is but, it is it related enough to the movie that it that yeah, it fits? Yeah. It, okay. It's related specifically to the movie. Okay. Keep going. What if Zach is right and Palpatine's real face is the deformed face? Well, his real face in the sense that the dark side has twisted him to look that way. But but what if he was raised in the dark side in a way we hadn't imagined before? Okay. And that's the way he looked. What Ray what does Palpatine tell Ray when she first arrives? Cut me down and I my power will enter you and you will be the empress. Right. And I, I think he is, he thinks that his personality will assume control, but ultimately Ray does kill him. But she's not a willing participant at that point. The, well, the, the idea was, and I, I thought about this too, because I'm like, oh, this is something people are going to nitpick. She had to be a willing participant in that ritual for it to work. But what if she didn't? Hear, hear me out a second. So while she's laying there staring up at the stars, staring up past the most massive force lightning storm ever created in all of anything. Right. I mean, Palpatine's dealing out some major power there. Yeah. What if Palpatine was actually the chosen one all along? Oh, my God. No, no. Hear, hear me out. Okay. Legitimately. Okay. I'm not saying he knows it. I'm not saying he does it on purpose. I'm saying, what if, because Ray is sitting there looking up. Now, Palpatine has already said hundreds of times that all the Sith live in me. Sure. Not hundreds of times, but a lot. He said it a lot. In this film, yeah. In this film. And then he says, if you cut me down, my power will enter you. My spirit will enter you. When she's laying on the ground staring up at the skies, she hears Luke and every other Jedi that's ever been on screen and worth a name. Basically, yeah. Tell her that thousands of generations of Jedi live in her. Palpatine attacks her using his Force Lightning, which leveled the fleet. Leveled the Resistance fleet. And she deflects it with a lightsaber, or stops it with a lightsaber and reflects it with two. Yeah. And he stops blasting it and it keeps going. What if that attack is Ray actually absorbing the thousands of Sith that live in Palpatine? And she has the thousands of Jedi living in her, which is why when Kylo transfers his force essence to her to revive her, that Kylo and Leia disappear because she is now the sum total of the Jedi and the Sith. 
Palpatine inadvertently balanced the force by taking all the ultimate good and ultimate evil and putting it into this one person who will now br- usher in a new era of force users that like Kylo wanted aren't beho- and like Luke wanted because Luke and Kylo both want the same thing in, in uh, the last Jedi. Sure. They both want the old ways to die. They just have different ways of that happening. What if that is where the force got was balanced? You now, certainly could be correct. I, now, I, I tended to look at, oh, I've got all the Sith in me, and she says, and I am all the Jedi. I tended to look at that as more from a a figurative standpoint and not a literal standpoint, but it is Star Wars, so who knows? And and wouldn't it be poetic justice for Sheev Palpatine, the ultimate evil in the universe, to ultimately be the one who brings balance to the Force? I, I know. That would be that. that exactly. I, so I appreciate I kind of where you're like coming that. from. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I don't necessarily think that that's what happened, but ultimately she does strike him down. Yeah which should complete the ritual. She's in the chamber. The tens of thousands of acolytes are assembled. But she has to be a willing participant, is my point. But she's willingly killing him. She's She's not willingly letting him in, though. But it doesn't say she has to willingly let him in. He just says, strike me down and I will enter you. It doesn't say she has to be willing to give up who she is. There's actually no indication that Palpatine is going to be in control of the ultimate entity at the end. He certainly thinks so, but he's an arrogant prick. Right. So maybe maybe with the help of all of these Jedi that are now apparently living within her, she is able right. to control him. And and so maybe like I said, it just just a fun because that she did complete the ritual as it was laid out. Now, it there may be more to it than we were told, and there may be other things and and I don't necessarily think that they were planning to have that kind of poetic end. But Star Wars has always had that element of evil consumes itself. Right. Kind of like, well, like Dragonlance does. Um, and the idea that Palpatine is ultimately his own undoing is poetic. And it would also be equally poetic if he ultimately was the one who brought balance to the Force. Um, you know, and like I said, I just, I thought it was an interesting thought. Um, the, there were some other things that, um, either people nitpicked and they were fucking dumb or didn't make sense. Um, like Star Destroyers not being able to turn on their shields and atmosphere. That's because of this planet. That's not normally they can't. Right, and I don't know if I necessarily want to get into all that minutia because I don't know how many people actually want to hear that stuff. Well, I, um, one of the big things that, that I had an issue with was how do they not, or how are they not able to leave? But anyway, the other big important takeaway is in this movie we learn that droids work exactly the way Ben has been saying they work. You can just download and, and back up droid memory yeah that's what Um, that's what r2 that's what r2 did with 3po i thought that it was brilliant that 3po's 3po's concern about the situation was completely unwarranted because as as soon as ray brought up aren't 
your mem it doesn't R2 back up your memory and then 3PO's like no R2's memory banks are are clearly unreliable like are like famously unreliable I just thought you fucking idiot R2 never fails you're not in any danger <laughs> well why didn't they just back up his memory right there I'm assuming it must have been a time constraint thing but maybe they didn't have the equipment to do so I don't know um also, well, no, they hooked him up to deal with his memory. So, I, I mean, that's a download. You don't necessarily have to. I can mirror. A hard I don't drive know, Ben. Without. I don't know. This is not something I can answer. <laughs> but um, one of the things that I do want to touch on, uh, because this has been a theme throughout Star Wars, 3PO's programming is fucking stupid. Yeah. I mean, I th- 3PO implies that that programming comes from the base programming of of all protocol droids so it's not necessarily his programming it's it's every protocol droid but that programming makes no damn sense at all i mean he brought it up he tried to bring it up but people were talking over him he said it must have been after the republic outlawed it like the republic outlawed them from translating this language that's illegal i don't know but that's what they did because the language itself can't be inherently evil apparently it is no but it's not it didn't inherit give them anything inherently evil in this translation right and he was able to translate it he just couldn't tell them what the translation was right because his his programming blocked him from doing it right because the sith are evil but let's uh let's take a look and and this is not a stretch i'm not invoking godwin's law by doing this but okay nazis were evil right yeah Nazis spoke German. German propaganda or Nazi propaganda was all in German, right? Sure. So it's effectively outlawing reading German. Not all German is Nazi propaganda. Right. But I would have, I would imagine that the Jedi Order was uh, influential in passing whatever law the Republic (laughs) passed there. And as we know, the Jedi Order, not the sharpest tools in the shed. Well, and there are there are other things in that regard that don't make sense. Like, why did you make that dagger, and when did you make it? Right, exactly. And it, why? It was really Indiana Jones. That was an Indiana Jones moment, and I appreciated what they were doing because they were they were calling back to George. They were giving something back to him in that moment. But it doesn't make sense in the story. No, it doesn't. I mean, that's one of those things that you just kind of have to take with a grain of salt. But I, um, I, I, that's neither here nor there. Do you have anything else big that you wanted to go over? I don't think big. I, I really think that the, the use of the force was really a, a tricky thing here. Um, I was really kind of sad they didn't do more with Rose. Yeah, that was interesting to me because they seem to really like her. You know, like the the she was included in all of the pre-movie press you know, like that she was going to be a major part of the film. And I I did think it was very odd that they, they really wrote her out of any real semblance of importance, even, even with her relationship to Finn. Right. They, they completely dropped. They, they completely dropped several plot lines. And it has been some time. Right. So who's to say that Finn and right. Rose didn't try to get together and realize it wasn't going to work. But th- they should have told us what or. Yeah, yeah, they should have told us just played out. What what was Finn going to tell Ray? 
I mean, I know what he was going to tell her. I think we can all imagine what he was going to tell her. We can imagine what he was going to tell her, but you brought it up like three different times. You had other characters in the movie address it. It should not have just been dropped. Sure. I I think Um, that that was as much acknowledgement as they as you really needed to give to that. But, I, you know, that gets into more of what I think really worked in the movie. Um, uh, I think Chewbacca, there were two points that really kind of bothered me about Chewbacca's portrayal. Okay. Which, all in all, I thought was pretty good. Um, I'm, I don't know why he was so much more hurt by Leia's death than he was by Han's. I mean, he was pretty hurt by Han's death. Well, he was, but he didn't drop to his knees and screech for a while and Wookiee cry. Right. Instead, he got to shoot the son of a bitch who stabbed him. Well, that's true. Um, And then he mourned quietly by himself for a while after he got back to Takodana. Or not Takodana, excuse me. Um, Wherever the fuck they were hiding. I, I forget. Canto Bite. He went to Canto Bite, got drunk, and Yeah, that's right. That, that's, a, that's a comic book we have yet to see. <laughs> um, and also, and I understand what they were doing here. I understand it was meant to be fan service, but I kind of felt fuck you after this moment when they finally give Chewie the medal. Oh, I understand right. that you're giving Chewie the medal because we've all been bitching Chewie didn't get a medal. Right. It, it was total real world. That is the only moment in the movie that really was empty to me. That was like complete, quote unquote, fan service. And I just looked at that and went, fuck you. That's too little too late. Now you're being patronizing. <laughs> yeah. Kissed my ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That that really got to me. Um, but yeah, all in all, um, yeah, like I said, I can make it work. I can make the movie work. Great. I, I appreciate that. Let me get into a little bit, because, uh, you know, we can't be here all night. But right. Let me get into a little bit of what I thought really worked in this movie. Uh, one, this movie enhances the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker to a point that I, I just did not see coming. The fact that the power to save Padme did exist. And he was led to believe by a man who could never have possibly accessed that power. That he was going to find it. Like if if he had not gone to Palpatine, if he had not gone down the path that he eventually did, perhaps he would have discovered that power for himself. <clears throat> but but it seems to be a power that the Jedi let lay that they forgot about. Maybe it takes so much emotion. Maybe that power is too close to what the Jedi considered the dark side. I I think personally that that power that I'm glad you bring it up. I'm sorry to jump in. No, that's okay. Keep, go ahead. <clears throat> uh, one of the things that I think, and I, I think this uh, handles some of the, the use of the force in this movie we have to remember that Ray is is accessing the Force on a much more, I don't know if primal is the right word, but that's the word I'm going to use, primal level. Right, I agree. She hasn't been taught limitations, which is one of Luke's problems. When he tries to lift the, the X-Wing, he can't because it's too big. He has those limitations in his mind, and Ray doesn't have those. I think that this Force healing 
requires a level of selflessness that you're right palpatine would never possess he could never could never but i don't think any of the jedi possessed it either that's what i mean like they 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 detach themselves to the opposite degree palpatine became the epitome of evil that's another thing that i think really works about this movie palpatine was not a shark to jump as matt fazette put it to me earlier today Pal- palpatine was not a an empty cash in palpatine was still palpatine as we knew him he was that delivered uh, and I think it delivered in the ways that he attempted to manipulate the people around him. I think it delivered in the ways that he, once he realized that he didn't actually have to manipulate Kylo and Rey into giving their body to him, he could just take the life force from them and become the emperor again. I mean, all of that played brilliantly. All of that made complete sense to me and made sense for the Palpatine character to go down those roads. I don't know if you agree with that. I, I do. I do. Um, so I, I think that they brought back Palpatine in the best way that they could have. I mean, yes, are there some things that some people would probably like explained? I'm sure there are, but this is Star Wars, and they honestly don't explain that much, and they haven't for nine movies. I I think that it would have been better if they would have brought, or at least um, hinted earlier that Palpatine was the big baddie. It did seem kind of like a... Uh, uh, I don't know what word I want to use. It it did seem kind of like a late addition. Sure, I can understand um, that. I think it I, probably was. I mean, to be honest with you, uh, that is something. I guess you could say that the movie that it doesn't work for me in 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 the way that Palpatine seems like he was added to make people happy. Lando feels like he was added to make people happy because they clearly didn't have any interest in bringing him back right away. Right. They, I feel like they felt pressured now that Carrie was actually gone and Mark and Harrison were written out of the story. They're like, all right, well, we got to bring back somebody. Here, right. Here's Lando. I agree. So all and one of the biggest hiccups of the movie and people are going to kill me for this. It's possible. Um, I think that the movie honestly was held back by the fact that they had to include Carrie Fisher. I, I didn't think the portrayal of Carrie was bad. I think they did a a good job with what they had. I don't think so either. But the, the problem is you're writing yourself into a box because you are only able to work with the footage that has been left. Right. So right. they, they had to write scenes that were specific to the dialogue that had already been shot. She had to give responses that she could not give, right? I mean, the responses were canned. They had already been made. You know, little scenes of her saying no. Just no. Like, if Carrie had been alive, she would have had more to say. But she yeah. couldn't say it. So you had to write scenes in the movie and you had to write really the entire plot of the movie around the idea of these scenes that Carrie had shot before her untimely passing. And that, in my opinion, did hold this movie back. I think that we could have had a much better film, like like traditional film, uh, if Carrie had survived. I, I agree with that. I think one of the big things that holds this movie and and uh actually the entire sequel trilogy back is that this was never a cohesive story from the beginning 
Right. And we, we've said that before. We've said that before too. Yeah. It, 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 it is, it seems very clear that it is piecemeal, but let me get back to what the, what worked about the movies. Speaking yep. of that, I think that a lot of people are going to say, Oh, Hey, they, uh, they really walked back everything in last Jedi. I could not disagree more. The last Jedi is inexorably tied to the events of this film. With well, the, it has to be. It has but to be. Did, but they did walk back quite a bit of The Last Jedi. I disagree. I think... The it, opening crawl walked back part of The Last... A lot of The Last Jedi. In what way? Um, actually, when I first read the opening crawl, I thought they hand-waved most of the... Um, and and this is one of my criticisms of this movie in, in general, is there were no real consequences at any point in time. Um, but... I, uh, I I I don't remember the words of the crawl as it was, but all of the big stakes that they had set up, with the exception of, you know, the First Order versus the Resistance, which ultimately didn't end up to be an issue either. Uh, we literally had the Third Empire, the Third Incarnation of the Empire, literally the Third Reich. Yeah. Um, became the big bad. So all the stakes of The Last Jedi didn't exist very shortly after this movie. So before, the, by the end of the opening scene. But the only stakes of The Last Jedi... Okay, the only stakes of The Last Jedi that mattered, really, are that Finn found his footing as a member of this larger family, if you will, uh, that Poe found a bit of his own footing as well. He found more of the the instinct that is required of a leader, which is, is interesting because when he actually is put in this life or death, you know, now that Leia really is gone, he certainly hesitates. Uh, when He gives up at one point. Yeah, when, when push comes to shove, he, he does give up. And I think that that actually is, is a good... That's a good character moment. I don't think it's a... You know, obviously it doesn't speak well for him, um, but it it's something that... I think is within Poe's character to do. But but the thing is those those are character development points and those are character story elements, but that's not really the stakes of the movie. The stakes of the movie is the Star War. And all of the elements of that war are nullified and changed completely at the beginning of this movie. And so I agree that they built on the last Jedi, but I, I do think that they did walk back all of the, the stakes that they established in the last Jedi. Okay. Almost all. I, I disagree with that, but we're not going to get into that right now because we really don't have the time. Okay. We'll um, do that another time. We'll have to do that another day. But you know, speaking of what I consider the stakes of that film, I mean the Ray and Kylo relationship in is the most important part of the last Jedi in my opinion I I know that you know you've made the point that the redemption tale of Finn is really the most important piece and in, I I would say that the Ray and Kylo story works toward the redemption of Ben Solo so that also is a you know just as important of a piece Right I um, I don't disagree the the force dyad being established in that film and then continuing 
to greater lengths, even greater lengths than I would have imagined in this film, that when she handed the lightsaber to him through the Force dyad, I thought that was brilliant. I thought well, that was just a, a a pure movie magic moment. See, I, and that didn't impress me because I knew exactly what was going to happen as soon as she put the sword behind her back. Well, sure, but you you weren't at least a little like it didn't get you that give you any warm feelings at all. I'm not talking like, oh, did it impress me because it shocked me? No, it just impressed me. It was a cool moment. Yeah, it was okay. all right. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I just, I'm sorry that the, the dyad thing didn't really, that seemed very Deus, Deus Ex Machia to me. I wasn't that impressed by it, um, especially since it was Palpatine all along that connected the two of them. No, it, it wasn't Palpatine that connected them. They were connected anyway. That's the idea of the Force dyad. It would, it, it, our theory that Snoke had not as much to do with that connection as he thought that he did was proven correct. Why are they connected then, though? Then there's no there's no reason for it. It doesn't make any sense. They're connected through the Force. That's it. Why? There is no why. It's the Force. But then it literally is just a plot device. Correct. Has no, but then it's a plot device that has no grounding. That's not good storytelling. That's your opinion. Well, no, no. That's that. Well, we, we can argue about the fact that that's actually just the way stories are developed, but um yeah i i the force dyad was not a great thing to me uh because of that there was no basis for it otherwise but anyway i i'm sorry i'm i'm detracting they used they used those elements that had been established to enhance the the larger focus of the saga all along people are going to sit there and they're going to say Oh, well, now Ray has a family or now Ray is related to somebody. So now they completely eliminated the whole point of The Last Jedi. I could not disagree more. The point of The Last Jedi is really the point of the Star Wars saga. And this movie really drives it home. It, it And it, you've been saying it now for a couple of episodes. The redemption tales mean so much because they are so core to the fabric of Star Wars and the lesson of the saga, which is it does not matter who you are, who you were, who you were supposed to be, who people tell you you are supposed to be. You have the ability to make the change that you want to make. You have the ability to do the right thing, and the right thing is always the right thing. It will yeah. remain the right thing. It doesn't matter if Ben Solo killed a bunch of Jedi young younglings, brought down everything that Luke Skywalker had created. That doesn't matter, because he still did the right thing in the end. It did what he had to do. The, and the Jedi got caught really caught up in their own bs and they lost sight of that that's why they wound up falling and luke got caught up in what they told him and he lost sight of all of that too uh, and ultimately the heroes and villains of this of this saga are all of us at different times in our life we've all what? done things that we wish that we could take back We've all continued on paths that we feel we have to continue on because of past actions or because of the traditions of our lives. But all nine movies show us time and time again that much of the time, a lot of these structures that we set up in our human 
lives and our society point us in a direction that is not always the right direction, even if it's for the best of intentions, like the Jedi Order. And I, I will agree with you 99%. And the, the 1% that I don't agree with you is uh, mostly a phrase of the way you phrased it. Okay. I agree that it's all it that it's all about your past not mattering. It doesn't matter who you are, who you were, who you were supposed to be. It matters that you do the right thing. And not the the caveat is not the thing that you have to do, but the thing that you're supposed to do. Ben Solo, it's not that he's supposed to save the day. It's that he wanted to correct right yes i'm sorry if i didn't make that clear right yeah the choice you have you are an active participant in your own life all of these things all of the through the entire star wars saga it seems like almost every main character is subject to talk of destiny it is your destiny the emperor the evil guy the villain of the movie brings up the idea of destiny constantly yep and it is never to the to the good of the galaxy and it it doesn't have to the the good decisions you make don't always have to be for the greater good they just have to be for good and every day every choice is that decision that you can make you always have that chance no matter what happened yesterday right and i agree with you that's the lesson of the star wars saga we we sit here we're humans right i mean we have complications. We have things in our lives that re- require our attention, right? You have yep. to have a job because you have to have money because you have to survive because that's how we have set up this society. So we all do things that we don't want to do. Yep. And, we and re- things that we're not proud of. And things that we're not proud of. And we respond to Star Wars so emotionally because these characters defy those boundaries there you ever notice there is no there's very little food in star wars right you don't see characters eating a lot of the time because it's so mundane that it takes away from the grand scale of the story there's no bathrooms there's you know people sleep but it, it you don't see it very often because it takes away from the the story that they're trying to tell they're trying to remove these characters from our reality because they are greater than our reality they live the lives that we all wish that we could in some way and we feel that in the strongest ways especially in these redemption tales so ben i absolutely agree with you that the redemption is not just a major plot point in star wars it is the major plot point in star wars I'm I'm glad we we agree on something cohesively. Yeah, I, I this this movie completely it hit me like a ton of bricks at the end of this movie. Just the the over and over again they've been showing us the point. George showed us the point, and then ultimately JJ and Ryan showed us the point. Like that, these three movies may not have been made with the same exactly the same spirit of star Wars in mind that George had when he started it. But I can, 
I can see the lessons throughout them. I can see the instances that call back, not just for fan service, but it creates a connective tissue that all nine of these movies are telling the same story. I really am emotionally affected by all of them in many different ways. The prequels, the originals, the sequels, frankly, the originals, right? The prequels inform the originals, which inform the sequels, which inform the prequels, right? I mean, it's, it is a cycle. It always has been. It always has been, and it, and it always will be. And for my, this is my statement, and it's not going to be a kind one. <laughs> if, if you watched this movie, and all you could come away with from it was, oh, it just was so dumb, you know, like all of this stuff, it didn't make any sense, and all this blah, 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 and Ray is so powerful, and I don't understand why she's so powerful, and I don't understand, the, blah, blah. all of the things that people have been complaining about this whole time, for four years since The Force Awakens came out, this is what Star Wars has been. It's what it always will be. And if it's not for you, Get off the train. The the thing that I want to caution everyone with, and I said this when we did our State of the Fandom address, and I'll say it again now. The people who made these movies, whether you like them or hate them, the people who love these movies, whether you agree or disagree, the people who criticize these movies, whether you agree or disagree, we all share one thing in common. And that is the reason we're watching Star Wars is we love Star Wars. There are problems with every movie. We've talked about them. I'm sure we'll do a chronological breakdown of this one at some point. I'm sure we'll discuss this probably slightly less than we discussed The Last Jedi, but quite a bit. There's enough out there that we all love and I think for a moment, we need to step back and we need to remember that everybody who took the time to watch this movie, the vast majority of the people who take the time to offer an opinion on this movie for good or for ill, all of those things, even the things we vehemently disagree with and the things that sound venomous, actually come from a place of passion for star wars and that's a wonderful thing and we have a lot to look forward to so if you don't like the end of the saga if you've got problems with last jedi if you have problems with the rise of skywalker or force awakens or jar jar binks existing at all or the mandalorian which i love but there are things I have problems with in The Mandalorian. Those things all come from a place of love, and we have to remember that. We have to remember that as fans, yeah, there are things that separate us, but ultimately there's one thing that unites us all. And that's the lesson of Star Wars. Even if you hated the movies yesterday, tomorrow's a new choice. You get to watch something else, and Star Wars can redeem itself for you, for all of us, for anybody. We all have that active choice to make. Other than the people who shit talk the actors, fuck those people. Because <laughs> I'm going to stay on that bandwagon until those people die. Um, but, but other than those people, 
who are terrible to the actors who play the characters. Uh, you know what I mean? So the people who are saying bad things about the movie and are nitpicking it, um, when you're engaging with those people, remember that their their criti criticism comes from a place of passion. And if you are that person, remember the people who are vehemently defending the movie, their defense comes from a place of passion too. And focus on that instead of whether or not somebody swung the lightsaber the right way. It's a fucking movie. Right. Enjoy it. I I will... Uh, that's very well said. I appreciate that. Um, one more thing as we're leaving this discussion for now. Um, I think that a, a lot of the... The feedback that I've been seeing about this movie is, wow, Last Jedi really was trying to turn Star Wars on its head. You know, like critical feedback, right? People right. who get paid to write reviews for movies. They watched this film, and they seemed really taken aback by the fact that J.J. Abrams went back to a lot of the basics of Star Wars, right? They thought that The Last Jedi was a turning point for Star Wars to the degree that any Star Wars material that we would see from that point forward would be influenced by it, that we would see new filmmaking techniques and all of these different things, you know, that, that would push the boundaries of what a Star Wars movie is supposed to be. And what I will say is I think that expecting that from the Skywalker Saga's finale was probably a flawed perspective to begin with. Because if you are making the final piece of a nine-movie story, I think the only thing that you can do to pay respect to that story is to, to tie it in, to make it feel comfortable, to make it feel like home. Like I said before, these moments that people are calling fan service, are they tech by definition fan service? Sure, maybe they are. The only one that glares out to me is the Chewbacca metal thing. The rest yeah. of it feels natural. The rest of it feels like Star Wars. When Wedge Antilles came back to the screen, I literally punched the air. I, I, I had a fit in my seat because I was so happy to have him back. That is Star Wars. You, you are attached to these characters for a reason. You want to see them do cool things. You want to see them in the fight. You don't, uh, you know what I mean? Like, sure, was it a fan service moment? Yeah, it was. But it connects it back to the originals. So great. I'm all for that stuff. It, to, to expect the Skywalker saga to be anything more than it has been for 43 years. I, I don't think that that's the right way to look at it. I think that you you oh. got I'm I'm sorry. There there are now now that the Skywalker saga is finished, at least for now. You can do anything you want with Star Wars now, like anything. Right. Look at the Mandalorian. They can keep it, doing that. If if you need any further clue that this was a celebration of Star Wars as a whole, when they go to the desert planet. There's a festival going on uh, calling the honoring of ancestors or some shit like that. Yeah. 
Did you catch that it happens once every 42 years? Yeah. Did you catch that 42 years ago was 1977? Yeah. It's they literally told us we're here to celebrate Star Wars. And that's and that's what they did. Yeah, I agree. That is what they did. And we're we're just scratching the surface on things we can talk about in this movie. We're 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 really out of time. I'm sorry. Yeah, there I'm are sorry. there are things like Finn and the fact that he actually can feel the force. That's awesome. Oh yeah, that we're going to revisit this movie several times. Right. I need to watch it and, at least once more. And Jana and the rest of her band being people who are inspired by Finn to desert the first order. That's awesome. Like Oh yeah, there were a lot of great things. There were a lot of great things and we will get into all of them. But Ben, I I do have to wrap this up for tonight. All right, Zach. Thank you for sitting with me and listening to me rant about <laughs> what I think I need to have for my head cannon to make this work. That's okay. We got there though. I mean, I I think we made some very strong points here at the end and and, and you know, it may seem very dismissive of me to say what I said, but I, I still believe it to a degree. Even after your rousing speech of togetherness, uh, <laughs> I, I still believe that, it, frankly, if you don't understand what Star Wars is supposed to be at this point, or if you do understand what it's supposed to be, but it's not your cup of tea, uh, maybe there will be a Star Wars thing for you at some point, or maybe that thing already exists. Right. And you can tell us about it by emailing us Absolutely. at New Jedi Archives. We want to hear at- about your favorite part of Star Wars. New Jedi Archives at gmail.com. How's that? Some some positivity. Just give us some positivity. I don't need to hear the negativity. That that is that put me in a funk for all of this year. All if of you have this negativity, year. address it specifically to me. I can take it. <laughs> Death threats also, if That's you have right. any death threats, those go to me too. Ben's the only one that can take it. He's like Palpatine <laughs> in that regard. That's right. I feed on your hatred. I can feel your anger. <laughs> All right. All right, Zach. Rest well, in, rest in peace to the late great Chief Palpatine. What a character he was. I really don't have anything to add. <laughs> <laughs> ben, may the force be with you. And also with you, Zach. This has been a Galactic Netcast production. For more, go to GNCast.com.